from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Sequel CFO, joined here with Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring, and we are brought to you by the great team at BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Paul, another big week in accounting, certainly uh, rocketed up by the Australian Accounting Awards last Friday night. They were. Hello, David. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Uh, Big week. We're off to QBC this week. Uh, David says it's going to be an extra big week for us. Of course, Accountants Daily uh, Awards on Friday. We have tickets. A very special offer, dear listeners. If you want free tickets to QuickBooks Connect, come and see me talk on transitioning technical workers to leadership positions. Uh, Head to fromthetrenches.com.au forward slash QBC 2019, all you need to do is tell us why it is such a good time to be an accountant. It'll be there on the form. Fill it out and you go in the draw to get one of five free tickets. If you're already on our email list, you would have got an email already asking you, so you've got priority. uh, I don't know if it's really priority. We're going to draw it out of a hat. Or just if you're at QBC, come and see us. Anyway, we will be around David. uh, What are we talking about in depth, Paul? Deadline week. Tax deadlines here in Australia. We know uh, accountants are used to deadlines. We're used to late nights and all of that stuff. What we thought, David, was our three tips each for managing deadlines and dealing with that. David, I've got my currently got my daughter on my lap. Uh, it is daddy. It is. I won't say daddy daycare. Apparently, people don't like it. Although that is our family word for it. It is. I'm parenting today. Charlotte is with me. Uh, with us. David, for the recording. So managing deadlines, and and for us that includes managing family, but we've got three tips each for that. And from the trenches first, Paul, I've put myself in worst on ground. You have, which we will get to, and then uh, by all accounts quite deserving. Let's uh, let's start. (laughs) Already rubbing it in. They don't even know what we're talking about yet. Best on ground, David, kick us off. Best on ground for me. Uh, Australian Accounting Awards, obviously, on Friday night. John Knight, who listeners won't be a stranger to, uh, has a really interesting firm. He's made best on ground for the way he manages staff with emotional intelligence, a business depot up in Brisbane. Post an article, Why We Didn't Enter the Australian Accounting Awards uh, This Year. John, uh, I think there are firms that are just regulars on the awards circuit. We're probably one of them. Sequel CFO, I think we've been nominated. It's often the ones that have an in-house marketing department, David. Potential, oh, potentially. There is a high, there is a high correlation yeah, between... There's a lot of very small firms on there. But yeah, there are certain... Some with outsourced marketing teams whose job it is to get them awards. But anyway... There are some who uh, do seem to regularly get up on the awards stage. Anyway, John's point basically is saying that it's great to put your firm up on a pedestal. Um, they've won awards in the past. But uh, if you apply for an award, it shouldn't really change who you are and what you do or what your vision is. You should be doing it anyway. Uh, And he likes to keep it internal at Business Depot. And it's a really interesting, I guess, comment on the way the world works at the moment where being seen and being heard is considered to be a value. Having influence is, is considered to be a value. Of course, a lot of press last week. Instagram influencers not getting as much love from restaurants they demand free food from as much as they I used think to. Not getting enough love. Talk about being unrealistic. That was the story, David, that we covered last week, was the influencers being totally unrealistic about their value. I don't think many accounting firms uh, or any accountant is unrealistic about what they want for 
you know, putting stuff out there and being heard. But essentially, Business Depot was in a firm. It's a collection. He didn't felt that the award categories aligned with him. And I just thought it was an interesting take on um, uh, perhaps just a contrarian view. But I thought it was an interesting take, Paul. I actually saw this, David, and I'm glad I'm glad you you brought it up. I was poor John. I was going to put him on worst on ground actually for this. I, I thought that's exactly what diversified firm is. I, I think to an accounting firm to want to not be called an accounting firm. I think this was a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I just if you if you didn't if you didn't nominate for the award, why write a large blog piece about why you didn't? I don't know. I think it was potentially being a little bit cynical why the use of the Kanye West Taylor Swift photo at the top where I believe that story goes that during a Taylor Swift acceptance speech, Kanye jumped up and made it all about him. Don't know whether there's any parallels there. But, uh, look, John does an amazing work. But to, to not nominate and then write a blog saying, look at me, we didn't nominate, I don't know. But he does amazing things up there. I'm just upset he didn't come because he's a good bloke to have a beer with. He is a very good bloke to have a beer with. Uh, although I, <laughs> we uh, do like John. Rosé it was for me, Paul. Got through a few of those on the evening. Um, Dangerous. What else you got? Next best on ground, Matt Paff, who I sat with on Friday night and had me in stitches throughout the evening with uh, some great tales. Of course, Matt just coming off a very successful new event in the industry, uh, apps for wholesalers, connecting wholesale businesses with app providers and wholesale space. Uh, amazing how he got that off the ground. I think a week out he had like six tickets sold and ended up with a few hundred people coming. So well done to a friend of the show. But Matt's is the man who you go to for analysing financial results of the big accounting technology players. Like legitimately he just knows his stuff here. Uh, Great tweet. QuickBooks Capital, which is the part of QuickBooks. Is that some Peppa Pig we've got in the background, Paul? Maybe there is some Peppa Pig. I've just controlled the volume, but all good. Keep going. (laughs) The uh, QuickBooks Capital, which is the part of QuickBooks, which is basically the small business loans, um, has funded $360 million in the last 18 months. At the end of Q3, it was just $96 million. So a rapidly growing part of QuickBooks is lending money and becoming a bank which I may have put to uh, the Intuit CFO who I met on Friday evening and uh, he sort of had a bit of no comment about it. But it, isn't that amazing? Like a software company's made so much money, they're now lending it out. And we, get, we, we talk about Amazon just owning everything and being everywhere. As far as financial services and everything that a small business needs, geez, Intuit's coming close. This week will be amazing, David. QuickBooks Connect here in Melbourne. Um, there will sure to be there will sure to be announcements coming out in uh, thick and fast this week. One thing big in the US Sorry, is Sorry, I'm the, pulling faces with your daughter. I know, I can tell. Gorgeous. The uh, one thing that we'll see is whether or not the, the capital funding model does grow into another market. But Matt, uh, certainly is who you go to to break down uh, all of the details on Intuit's results, final... Zero's results, etc. And was good company on Friday night, apparently. Yeah, outstanding company. Although he did tell a joke that went for about eight minutes and the punchline, um, it would have been good if you could get that joke down a bit quicker. Matt would have enjoyed it. But otherwise, great company. Now, one final thing. Unbelievable piece of marketing, like actual marketing here from an accounting firm. Most of our listeners would be very familiar with the great Kerry Packer uh, response to a Senate inquiry into media ownership where he says every Australian should be reducing their tax and if you blokes want to introduce a new law, you should have to take out an old law. It's one of my favourite moments in Australian uh, business commentary. 
Inspire CA, who I'm pretty sure we've had on Worst on Ground at some point in our journey because they do a lot of spooking about how much tax they're going to save clients, put this out on 18th of April and it's basically, they've just said this footage is from 991 but a lot of what he has to say is relevant. If you aren't doing everything you can to minimise tax, then catch up with us and here's a link to one of our events, right? This is such great marketing because of the timing. Mid-April is when we were starting to hear that Labor election policies were about more and more and more tax. And what that what was interesting is that they sort of really picked up on the mood of small business owners, put this out as a promoted tweet on Facebook. Now, thanks to Andrew Vanderbeek for sending this through to me because the ad in itself isn't impressive. It's just the Kerry Packer footage with a call to action to get in touch. But because it was so on point with what the small business community was thinking, it's had a whopping 25,000 responses, 4,200 comments, 29,000 shares. This is perhaps the first viral piece of marketing I've seen from just a regular accounting firm. And I think that video itself gets that video Always itself well. gets the shares. So, yeah. I mean, I think... But the timing, like to video. pick up on the mood of the, the nation and who their ideal clients are at that point... Uh, the video always does well. Those numbers are huge. Oh, it was the right time because of budget time and election time. There was a, a sort of a, um, you know, very, very much a uh, confluence of events. Is that what you called? Confluence. A, a perfect storm, a coming together. Mm. Coming together of events. Or just good marketing, Paul. At the same time. Inspire CA is an interesting spot. I don't know whether people remember from... Um, they started up in Brisbane with uh, a... They created their own co-working space in a cafe. So they actually had a cafe, a cafe that people could walk into and buy coffee and stuff in their reception from day one. Ben Walker up there. That solves a few FBT problems for staff, doesn't Great it? Great story. In-house, in-house, absolutely. What do you got, mate? Best on ground. Uh, love a good Venn <laughs> diagram. Myself, big fan of them. Uh, Patrick Lencioni. Just don't know why I did that inflection on my voice, but why not? I'm the same with Spanakopita. Spanakopita. I can't <laughs> just nice. say nice. Spanakopita. But that was an Italian accent on a Greek dish, I think you just did there. But Probably quite what, racial. But whatever. Uh, ideal team place. It's just a Venn diagram on, which of course is the three intersecting circles. Ideal team players are humble, hungry and smart. Uh, link will be in the show notes. Uh, just interesting because I, I love what it does here. It says... You know, the, someone who's just humble is the pawn of the office. Someone who's hungry is the bulldozer. Uh, and someone who's smart is the charmer. Uh, and then obviously it's always nice to know sort of if that humble person becomes hungry, accidental mess maker, smart but humble is the lovable slacker of the office and a smart, hungry person is the skillful politician. Uh, but in an interesting way, I wonder... In your office, who is who fills those roles? But I love a good Venn diagram. You do love a good Venn diagram, Paul. Not often you find smart, hungry, and humble people. It's hard. Two out of three. What is it? it's like? Um, two out of three it's and like bad quick, meatloaf. cheap, and good. Yes, you can have two. You of can them. have two of three. Yeah. Anyway, no, very true, very true, David. But that's what good we post. strive for, right? Worst on ground, David, throw yourself into the fire. What did you do? I'm putting myself in worst on ground, Paul, but uh, first I'm going to do a bit of an update on on what I saw at the Australian Accounting Awards. Probably one of the better events I've been to in the accounting industry since I've been sort of really participating, which is the last two and a half odd years since we started the show. 600 accountants, lots and lots of small firms, lots of regional firms, lots of working mums, lots of people who just 
probably don't get to get dressed up in the black tie gala dinner that often. Well, at all. How many how many people ever get to do that unless you're you know in the hoi polloi, um, and just a great celebration. An absolute credit to Accountants Daily and Katarina Torian, who this was her baby. This event used to be a lunch that, you know, less than 30 people came to, and in just a few years to get it to 600 people pr- packed out at the Star, which is a very smart venue, Paul, because you know what's unique about the Star in uh, Sydney Postcode? Uh, doesn't have the lockout laws. No, so we kicked on, kicked on. Um, and it was Did just you an need outstanding to kick on event. after the after the dinner. Oh, perhaps I shouldn't have, and that's why we'll get to my worst on ground. But the it was just a fantastic event, and huge thank you to Zero. I was a guest of Zero at their table, uh, so thanks very much, guys, for accommodating me and my company throughout the evening. But here's what happened, and here's why I'm putting myself in worst on ground. I was up for two awards, SQL CFO for Professional Development Program of the Year, and myself for Thought Leader of the Year, and I thought I stood a chance for Thought Leader and I was feeling quite good going into it. Bought myself a new pair of leather shoes, Paul. Oh, wow. Nice and polished and shiny and I didn't win. Uh, Somebody who I'd never heard of one, uh, Chaz President, and we'll have a chat, I'm going to have a chat to Chaz later today actually. And because it was somebody who didn't win and, and to be perfectly blunt, gave one of the worst acceptance speeches in award history, I was... Potentially a shock for not knowing he was going to win. Almost definitely uh, a shock for not expecting to win, but he did win. Uh, Personally, I was disappointed that I didn't win and probably wasn't graceful in uh, defeat, Paul. Uh, And because I didn't know who he was and he gave this speech that wasn't exactly outstanding, all, all I knew was what's going on here. And it was this real lesson in how easy it is, and this is a bit of a mental health type thing, Paul, to get caught up in your own world and what you do. Uh, Chaz, we'll have a chat to him. We'll find out what he does and how he does it. Not a huge amount of info online about him. But overall, that was an exceptional event. And I probably would have liked to have gone up to him and been more positive about his victory than what I was. I wasn't there. I didn't uh, largely follow it. The Collingwood uh, game on Pies got up on Friday, so uh, that was where my attention was, David. But uh, I've obviously seen some of the tweets around it. Some other things about the event. Lots and lots of women winners. Lots. I need to run, I'll have a look at the numbers, but I think the majority of winners were female. I uh, saw some people from my past, haven't seen ages, Rod Spicer, the old director at Moore Stevens. Uh, was there. It was good to see Rod, who now works at Accountancy Insurance. Oh, uh, wow. Who said something fascinating to me. If Shorten's $3,000 cap came in, where did insurance premiums go on tax forms, Paul? Cost of managing tax affairs? They would have to. Income. Yeah. So the ins- if you get a tax audit, the insurance excess, whatever you have to pay, would... Uh, anyway, so that was an interesting chat out with them. Would be capped as well. It shouldn't be $3,000 a year, hopefully. Some, some brilliant stuff in the evening. Lots more time to network. If you get the chance to go to it, I strongly recommend it. No speeches throughout except the last two at the end. Um, and just to <laughs> Which overrule. arguably might not be there next year based on the... Uh... Well, I strongly recommend that if you, if you are up for award, whether you think you're going to win or not, don't spend the day in a bar drinking with your clients. Oh, that might have. That was also what his may have argument. Been a well, that's what he, he mentioned it. He did. It did he come across. It. Yes. Right. Okay. Oh well. You worst on ground. Worst on ground for me, David. Purple bricks quitting Australia. This is something that happened uh, a few weeks back, uh, but I don't think we've uh, we haven't had it on the show yet. Uh, less than three years since it entered the market, promising 
to change the real estate landscape with its fixed fee model and online platform, David. This was the Uber moment for real estate agents. This was going to revolutionise the world. I also remember there were accounting gurus who were who were putting purple bricks up on blogs saying, oh, accountants, watch this. You know, even a, even the real estate industry is going to get... Uh, going to get decimated by disruption and then absolutely that high-flying, high high-marketing, low-substance model, gone. The biggest surprise of Purple Bricks for me is that it validates something that um, is definitely contrarian and counterintuitive. Australians largely trust their real estate agents and the relationships that they have with them. Well, I think they want the best deal and, and they do equate, I think you equate money with... Well, I don't think cheap doesn't mean the best deal. When people sell their homes, what great agents do, they help people build a connection with the agent, with the community, with the home, with the memories, and people, Australians, clearly like that experience and are happy to pay for it. And and this is the thing, that, like, even on the, the relatively low, the relatively low trust, I think they trust them, but then almost like a trust with an asterisk. It's like a trust but a wary of, yeah. of, of paying both yeah, sides. But, but, but at the end, at the end of the day, they them. sign a yeah. contract to, to put literally the highest value item in their hands. Absolutely. Um, so I think this is really interesting. Obviously, the agent relationship wins out in the end. Whether or not they got the model 100% right, um, you know, certainly it was just a pricing model change. It didn't have particularly any massive tech or, or anything behind it. But I tell you what, David, if, if a if a big name player or if a if a player can't disrupt a an industry that continually ranks far lower on the trusted professions scale than accountants, then I don't see what uh, what people have much luck in trying to dis, uh, disrupt accountants. Certainly, there's not a lot of these so-called gurus who posted all about purple bricks being uh, the harbinger of doom. For real estate agents and and what that was, how easy it was going to happen there, and what could happen for accountants, David. So that is my one of mine. Secondly, Jamie Oliver, big high flying, has just come out uh, this week, last week, otherwise talking about his restaurant chain closing down. Look, you never, you know, you never want to hear this kind of stuff, um, obviously because of the staff and because of everything else. You know the, the the just the amount of losses in this industry. I you know I just I don't think that it's I don't think that you can say blame customer trends on this. You know to me this still has a just a massive problem with with pricing with spending. You know like I just I just don't I just don't see it. One hundred and twenty five million in debt. Uh, it would be really interesting to see what Jason Andrew thinks of this, but yeah, big a big name. He's he's fought that for quite a long time. He's had he's had restaurants go in uh, go under before. I think David. Um, well, restauranting is a hard business to make money in. It's very simple. Um, if consumer trends change, you can change a menu, but to, to change a fit out is pretty bloody hard. Uh, and he's got a big, 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 big network. Uh, one of the comments I saw on Facebook. Just a reminder, Jamie didn't make his money in restaurants. He licensed his name to restaurants. He probably hasn't lost too much money out of this. True. He'd make his money through his TV shows and books and I'll tell you what, they're it's still good books. He's hard when your name's on the books. door, though. That takes the brand, the brand damage is there. Yeah. Be the judge. Oh, geez, Charlotte not happy. Be the judge, says Charlotte. Be the judge. Right. I think we are. <laughs> 
Anyway, interesting, but a uh, a rather big collapse there, David. Uh, speaking of Jason Andrew, his post on LinkedIn, uh, just talking about the Anki Anki robot uh, Cosmo staff layoffs. This was a growth industry. A, a had raised over two hundred million dollars. Was approaching a hundred million in revenue in twenty seventeen and gone. Um, you know, I think we're hearing this. We often hear about people when they raise money. We don't. We don't necessarily talk as much about them when they go out the back door. You never want to see it again. We're not in any way celebrating these collapses, but you know, I, I just think that we we are very quick to say what might happen and celebrate just because you raise money doesn't mean you automatically it validates your business model. Uh, or it validates everything else. There is still a lot of hard work. You've still got to find more revenue than costs and you've still got to ultimately uh, have a successful business. Just the fact that you raised $200 million doesn't in itself make you uh, a hot, hot commodity or, in fact, uh, secure your future, David. Uh, no, I just I reckon that the collapses get do get a lot of attention. Maybe not in the, the super, super mainstream, but they definitely do. I mean, smart company is basically, I think the first thing they do is read the ASIC uh, wind-up notice section and then that's half the headlines. The other half are people who raise money and then a few tips and tricks and then some really good opinion pieces. Yeah, and I I like to to highlight it only because I I, I don't celebrate it on the way up, David. You know, I don't celebrate raises. I don't think certainly we should. Uh, I think we should celebrate success. To me, a raise isn't success. You've got to actually... It is a milestone, but it's not success. I just think it should convince someone to part with some cash. And for some people, parting with cash around a lot of different diversifying their portfolio and in some way a, a, a lot of this investment, not a lot, sorry, some of this investment is quite a scattergun approach. Just oh, because and we've spoken about valuation and we've spoken about valuations. You know, like there are there are stories and certainly they're not common, but where some of these businesses will go to friends and family and say, look, give us 20 grand, uh, you know, Raise a small amount of money, but we'll do it on a val- we'll do it on a multiple that helps me because it then means I can go and say that I'm worth more. So just because one dollar comes in at a certain value doesn't mean the business I think is worth that much. But yeah, but this one, I mean, robotics, like a robotics startup. You would think in this industry uh, at this time of very expensive, mate. If they can't work out how to sell something in the the, the amount of time they've got to spend their money. The money, does, the money does run the money out, right? Out. The deck chairs, yeah. the music stops. Yes. And if there's no more, if there's there's no no more money in at the top of the funnel, this is, uh, is very interesting. Interesting, though, that they come up with that much revenue. Anyway, thank you to Jason for uh, posting that. Anything in, else? In, uh, no, but um, hey, God, look, everyone out there, send stuff in to us because I've just realised today we've mentioned... Vanderbeek and Jason Andrews are people we talk about quite a lot. But if you see interesting stuff, please send it to us. And, and Matt Paff. Uh, and Paff. Yeah, they're pretty standard trenches people who we mention. If you're out there and you've got something cool that you've seen, please send it in and we'll have a chat about it. If Tag us in it. Do Tag whatever us, you want. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Love to hear. Right. In-depth topic. Let's get to it, David. There is deadlines. Deadlines ever at the moment, tax season in Australia. It's all a bit crazy heading into end of year. 
We've had election. It's just been crazy busy. David, what is your top three tips? Right, top three tips. Now, I am horrendous at time management. Uh, when no. I was at more, well, my, my punctual appearances at our recording set times should be a bit of a dead giveaway there. The uh, When I was at Moore Stevens, uh, I got sent on a time management course, which ironically was a massive waste of time. Uh, <laughs> a highlight of a performance appraisal was to come up with an efficient filing system for myself because I just have Baz's and IS's pile up on my desk and not tend to them in, in, in a fair amount of time. Uh, and as I've gotten older, it just becomes unacceptable. You just can't – you're a professional. You just can't do it. So what I worked out is a very, very simple thing for me that's working quite – and it changes. This is what's working really well for me. I've a, I call it the daily number one. It's just one thing that has to be done and it's usually a big thing. Now, I'm not one of those do it first, do it last, do some little tasks and get it, make your bed first thing in the morning, all of these tips. That None of that stuff works for me. I just need to focus on one thing that's usually substantial and it's outcome-based or it's something that I've been putting off. So it could just be a phone call I need to make, but I've been putting off that phone call for two weeks. It's a big deal for me. So it's my daily number one thing that I need to get done. Yep. Yep, I like it. Uh, a lot for me, David, that is uh, – I'm big at, I'm big at to-do lists. Um, myself, I like to just – I also like the, the benefit of crossing it off. Coming with your daily number one, it's just – for me, I've just got – don't think, just do. Like I think that for all the time that I sit there talking about, and I've, I know I've done this in the past, you go, oh, I've got so much to do and I keep rereading the list. You know what? Just get the first thing off. Just pick one thing. Motion creates emotion. Get the first thing done. I also do, I also set little mini goals. I can go and uh, I can grab a coffee when I do one or two things off the list. I have to cross three things off the list before I can, before I go to lunch. That kind of thing. I sort of set little micro goals for me, but certainly just just tick something off the list. Get the list down. Don't worry about the list. Just get... Just get some momentum. Get some momentum. Get something off it. Even if it's a small thing to, to get started, just something to cross off, uh, get it moving. Yeah, I'm uh, a bit of morning. I'm a, not a morning person, Paul. So it's that's always a hard thing for me. I peak at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's very unusual. Peak at like ten o'clock at night. I think that's yeah. why. Well, that's the fifteen coffees you have a day. Oh, I think. true. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of coffee. Right. For me, uh, communication is massive. If you have a deadline, that means somebody else is relying on something else, and you need to tell them if you're not going to meet it because if they're relying on it they will then in turn other people be relying on them for something more often than not, particularly in the roles that we have, which is providing information to help people make decisions. Uh, that's quite important. So I would always try, if I wasn't going to make a deadline, to let people know in advance and own it, not even make an excuse. It's like managing expectations, no, I think. It's that's 100% yeah. Have you done it? No, look, I'm not going to get there. Why? Oh, I just haven't had the chance to do it. It's a bit bigger than I thought it was. Um, I never sort of say I've been called away. I never make it about anybody else because your customers or your clients will just realise, well, you value them more than me. Yeah. I'll just own it and say, look, I just haven't done it. And I actually get this from my dad. So, you know, I work in my dad's office a day and a half, two days a week. And people call him up and say, hey, you know, Joe, have you, have you done this? And she goes, no. All right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right. When are you going to get it done? Oh, I'm going to try to get it done by the end of the week. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. There's no, you know, once you've got relationships with people and you're not necessarily desperately trying to impress anymore, I think that if you do communicate and are authentic with what you're you're saying, most people are forgiving. I agree, David. I think that communication and managing expectations is a big thing. My number two point, I, I like to diarise it. I think um, having it on a to-do list, if there's something that I know I won't get to immediately or in the next day, I try to put some time in my diary 
I tend to write with meetings or with everything else. If it's in my diary, it tends to happen uh, a little bit more. So I do try to get block some time out, not too much time, just sort of just get some time, manage that expectation. I do always also like to to if people message me, try to get back to them and say, "Here's what, here's when I'm going to have that to you by," and put it in my diary, so that it's a it's a constant. Um, it is a constant reminder. I think the other thing, the reason for me that I sort of went to that don't think, just do mentality or tried to, certainly I'm no no, uh, angel at that, was also that by the time, there used to be a thing with uh, managing uh, paper. Every time you picked up a piece of paper or looked at a piece of paper, you had to put a dot on it. And if that piece of paper had more than three dots, that meant that you'd touched it, you had to deal with it, you couldn't put it down again. I try to be a little bit like that with tasks. I try not to... You know, if, if you speak to the client or, or someone three times to tell them why you haven't done it, well, you should have just done it in the first place. So, yeah, I try to try to do that. Uh, I did also talk about those setting goals. You know, I do sort of try to set those goals of get this list down to nil or at least get most of this list done by the end of the day. Adam Ramage has got a, a theory. Yeah, well, I, I caught up with Adam this week for some content I'm doing for Chartered Accountants, the CA Catalyst program, which this is going to hear more and more about as it starts producing more valuable things for members, Adam recommended something called Bullet Journal. Now, I had a look at it, and Bullet Journal's two things. First of all, it's a note-keeping method to help you keep on top of what you're going, and it's an analogue method in a digital world. Now, I haven't spent a huge amount of time on it, but but the problem it solves is relevant for me. I like writing down what I need to do, but most of how I find out what I need to do is digital. So I've used Asana, I've used Carbon, I've used Microsoft to do. It's okay, it helps a little bit. I do love it, but fundamentally I need to write things down. It seems like I don't remember things unless I've written it down, even though I can barely read my handwriting. It's like the act of writing is what solidifies it in the neurons in the brain pore. And so what this this book is, and Adam swears by it, and it's got this like massive following of people who swear by this method. Uh, The system talks about, it's a rapid logging system. So as your day goes on, you're logging what's going on and what you need to do. And you can kind of go in chronological order of whether you had uh, a task, an event, or a note. And you can sort of embed and sub-bed and mix and match. And you can do summaries and weekly summaries and monthly summaries, all handwritten, but all very integrated with your digital world. Now, Adam's gone out and bought the book that helps you do this. It's, it's, it's like a special notebook that you use. You can just do it in your regular notebook to learn the method. I'm going to try to give it a shot for sort of a two-week period and, and see how I go. Let us know how you go. I'm on the website now. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it's the, interesting. We'll put the... Uh, Links in the show notes. Bulletjournal.com. Bujo, they call it. Sure they do. No, they do. Bujo's the, the – that's what the community calls it. The community. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They got out of hand. Cool. The other thing for me, last point – that was your last point. Last point for me, I, I tend to plan ahead. Look, I think that for me this week has been about lodgement deadlines. You know, I, I think that trying to get as, as far ahead as possible. We re- I made a real effort to try to get as far ahead and, and especially when you're waiting on other people to give you work – uh, I think it's, it's you can wait for stuff to come in, but you've really got to go out and get it. And I think often when we're busy, I know when I'm busy, I, I find it really, it sounds counterintuitive to go out and say I need more work when you kind of already know that you're too busy. But you know that if you don't fill that funnel of clients getting their work in, then it won't be there or it's sort of you, you, you slow off. You got to. I tend to have to keep that funnel there to maintain that busy. Otherwise you find yourself a lull and then you just leave it. 
uh, leave it months and months and waste more and more time chasing. But anyway, what is, uh, anyway, let us know what you think. Plenty of I mean, plenty of other time management and whatever tips that we have covered in the past. But that is how. I'm sort of managing a bit more with deadlines. One of the points that doesn't work is calling childcare at 9.30 in the morning and asking whether there's a spare space. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for childcare. Didn't work for ours this morning. But no, uh, well, now Charlotte got to sit here and watch a Trenches recording. We'll see. I think that, I'm sure that, she's better for it. She has paid attention to more Trenches recordings than her mother. So <laughs> that, is, uh, that is one thing. My, my wife doesn't listen, so that's fine. Now, QuickBooks Connect this week. Now, I must admit, Paul, we've got a bit of a scoop. We'll be dropping some news on Thursday uh, around QuickBooks Connect. I spent some time with some QuickBooks people. Uh, have have a look out for around midday on Thursday. You're going to see a bonus show to do uh, with some work that we're doing there, mate. Um, if you see us at QuickBooks Connect, some guys, come say good day. If you want free tickets, www.fromthetrenches.com.au forward slash QBC 2019. There you go. Link will be in the show. Otherwise, uh, if you've got anything, let us know. If you see us around, come up and say hi. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, otherwise, we're going to get on with our uh, deadlines, David, and uh, uh, LinkedIn for me or Freedom Mentoring for all your uh, small accounting and uh, firm bookkeeping training needs. Lots of stuff going on in the Freedom Mentoring community, We should David. actually talk about what Freedom Mentoring is at some point on the show. I, like, I don't even know. Online training for accountants, Dave. Subscription service. Access. We'll do it properly. They're bored now. They all want to go on. See you later, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas. Get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the